Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland. I'm one of the founding attorneys of the Legal Geeks, along with Jessica Meterson. With me this evening, on a Sunday, a special presentation, Stephen Tolefield and Jordan Hoopert, and we're going to talk about the most recent episode of Andor, episode eight, Nambari 5. Did I get the planet name correct for the prison? Okay. Close Nar enough. Narkina 5, something like that? Yeah. It's a very Star Wars name that has a lot of sure. vowels in it. Yep. And let's just highlight everything that happens there is bad from a constitutional point of view. We do not want a world where this is happening. So let's talk about cruel and unusual punishment. So when Andor and other prisoners get there, they, their shoes are removed. We see that the guards are wearing big ski boot type attire and the floor is electrified as their way of being able to stun an entire room of prisoners at once where they are uh, housed also has a hot floor that when the lights are white, it's safe to step on it. But as soon as the lights turn to red, it's a lethal dose of either electricity or some energy that would kill someone almost instantly. Uh, it's a mix of solitary confinement. They don't get to see the outside world and they're used for prison labor. These things are red flags. Now the labor part, Parts of that could be legal, but not all of it. So let's let's jump in. And first, let's talk about the floors. Uh, who would like to take the first swing on the constitutionality and what cruel and unusual punishment is? Jordan, you're the criminal yeah. law expert. Oh, yeah. But you look so excited to talk about it. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about, <laughs> but you should go for it. <laughs> Okay. I mean, no, uh, not, none of that's constitutional. You can't like use lethal force on people for doing nothing. You can't discipline people just to show them that you can discipline them. Uh, I guess we'll start at the beginning. You can't do that. Uh, you know, you can explain the rules of things to people and Frankly, I think prisons do explain the rules to people. I've read some of the prison handbooks, or at least jail handbooks that we have in Oregon. They're they're not terrible as far as explanations go. They give you a pretty good overview, and you, know, you should do that. But it's not okay to go, oh, yeah, and so let me show you what happens if you don't follow that zap. Um, yeah, no, you can't do that. Uh, the confinement issue isn't i mean aside from the fact that you're confining people indoors with no access to as far as i can tell no access to fresh air or natural light and one guy does say this is the last fresh air you'll breathe for a while uh, that's frowned on but they do give them companionship um so they're not entirely in solitary confinement they're not alone uh and i think josh was that you that just Put that up in the outline that what we're talking about when we're talking about cruel and unusual punishment is largely the eighth amendment um and whatever state constitutional amendments you have um 
prohibiting that. But the Eighth Amendment prohibits excessive bail, excessive fines, and cruel and unusual punishment being inflicted on people. It, of course, applies to the states through the Fourteenth Amendment. Uh, so you know the the federal constitution sets a floor for all the states floor pun not intended um but it sets a floor for all the states which you know states can define more things as cruel and unusual punishment if they want to in their constitutions and some of them do uh but let's see where oh yeah the uh the solitary confinement so they're not exactly in what we would think of as solitary confinement in our our prison system which is actually you are in a single cell by yourself you are not allowed to see anybody you're not allowed to you know interact with people um, and it's used though increasingly discouraged i think as a form of punishment um, and a form of discipline uh yeah the the just, uh i just, I, just I wanted to jump in i just um i i steven you're muted i am Am I still? No, you're not. Okay, got it. Okay, thank you. Um, I was just going to jump in just to say, um, it's it's funny how like they're almost the opposite of solitarily confined. They're sort of in, forced into these very competitive situations where part of the punishment or part of the psychological terror is the competition between the the um, between the inmates, which is sort of chilling in its own way, although it's completely the opposite of solitary confinement. Yeah, and you know, prison labor is legal, and but we'll we'll get there. I want to highlight uh, examples of going above the floor, and Puerto Rico actually has a definition for cruel and unusual punishment, and that includes punishment by flogging or branding, marking or tattooing on the body, or any other cruel and unusual punishment may not be adjudged by any court-martial or inflicted upon any person subject to this code. The use of iron, single or double, except for the purpose of safety custody is prohibited. So we, we do have a rich history of defining, you can't do that to people. And it's taken many forms and has evolved over the history of the country. And uh, we just, we don't want <laughs> cruelty taking place. Uh, you know, for example, well, one, one case uh, says under the Eighth Amendment, prison officials may not use excessive, excessive physical force against prisoners and are required to provide humane conditions of confinement, ensuring that the inmates receive adequate food, clothing, shelter, and medical care must take reasonable measures to guarantee safety of inmates. And that's a uh, Farmer v. Brennan, 511 U.S. 825, 1994. And uh, yeah, again, long, long history of it, of, of making sure that, you know, we don't have torture chambers. Now, the now, let's get into the prison labor side of it, because parts of this are legal. Oh, Stephen looks like something yeah. awakened. I was just going to say, because uh, it you're, seemed you're muted again. That's so weird. But now I can you're hear back. you, Stephen. Okay, I'm back. Okay, it's weird. Sorry. Um, maybe I just won't unmute again. Or mute again. Um, so I was just going to chime in and say, it seems like the uh, the prison actually 
takes pretty good care of their basic needs. Like they have um, food, they have plenty of medical care. The prisoners observe that they need them to be really healthy and productive. So they, they're not depriving them of sort of basic necessities. But it seems to be more the um, that last piece of that Eighth Amendment requirement is taking reasonable measures to guarantee the safety of the inmates, which is where the Narquina Five prisons probably starts to really clearly violate the Eighth Amendment because they're putting them in these living situations where it's so easy for the inmates to fall or sleepwalk or intentionally jump onto that um, electrified floor. Um, and that is a really clear risk of very serious harm. Um, and that is, um, and those sorts of Eighth Amendment claims are based on the subjective appreciation of the risk of harm by the prison officials. And they all obviously know that this is a really dangerous place for them to be, and they're not doing anything to protect them. So that seems pretty clearly an Eighth Amendment violation. Yeah. And prisons here will, I mean, do things like nobody can have shoelaces because you might hang yourself with them. Uh, when we go to trial with people, we have to provide clothing for them if they're in custody. And one of the things, you know, we bring, we the attorneys bring a tie and a belt with us to give them in the courtroom and the deputies let them put them on in the courtroom. And then, you know, they give them back to us at the end of the day for trial. They're not allowed to take them back to jail with them even. So they do take suicide, at least locally where I practice, they do take suicide very seriously and they do a lot to try to prevent it, which, you know, we appreciate. Yeah, and these, their clothing is, it's very THX. I don't know, either of you got that vibe as well, that it's a nice deep cut to, to Lucas. So the clothing, it, it's like almost pajama-esque, but more rugged. Uh, I don't know if they get changes of clothes or not uh but it looked like it looked like they did because they got they did the shower scene and then they all had the little boxes with their own their folded uniforms in them yeah there's uh it'd be very difficult to be a never nude and uh in that prison so there's uh that would be a struggle for them um good catch i noted the shower scene and thought like that looks terrifying like everyone just standing at attention getting hosed down <laughs> you know just hor horrible yeah. um uh and prison isn't supposed to be fun but it's not supposed to be a gulag either so there's the finding that balance between the two dehumanizing was the word i would have used for it good good use good good term on top of that, uh, we get to the labor issue. So California prisons use prisoners to help fight fires. You know, there's the license plate joke that are made by prisoners. Uh, the prisons up in Washington used to make boats. So the boat that was used to take prisoners to Alcatraz was made by prisoners up in Washington state. Name of that boat was the Warden Johnston. Hmm. And so like that, like that's done, but there's a 13th Amendment issue. And one of you noted that. Can can you expand upon that, please? 
Yeah, it just um I I was really surprised honestly that Andor is being so um upfront about its critique of the carceral state and of policing in our country. Um I think it's sort of very refreshing to have um a Star Wars be so timely in its critique um in sort of the post um sequel era. Um it's really great to see. Um but as you mentioned, Josh, the the 13th amendment um prohibits involuntary servitude. Of course, it's the amendment that um, the Reconstruction Amendment that um, outlawed slavery in the United States. But there's a huge but. It's like asterisk, except when it's for the punishment of a crime. So it's perfectly legal um, in our country to use prisoners for um, essentially slave labor. Um, cheap slave labor. Um, I, I saw an ACLU study from just this past year that um, estimated that um, incarcerated workers in our country produce $11 billion every year in services and goods. And it counts and two thirds of people in state and federal prisons in our country have jobs. Um, so that's about a workforce of like 800,000 people. It's huge. And none of those people earn anywhere, of course, anything anywhere close to a living wage. And they're often very difficult and dangerous jobs, and they have no workplace protections. They don't get, they don't pay into social security. They don't have sort of um, labor um, sort of enforcement. It's really, um, it's a very challenging problem. And it, by the way, I was going to plug 13th on Netflix, Ava DuVernay's um, really thought-provoking documentary on the prison industrial complex um, and how so it sort of traces the through line from slavery to um, Jim Crow to sort of the um, mass incarceration of um, poor communities and people of color. Um, so, and just to relate it back to Andor, um, the, the rise of the um, prison populations in our country have gone from, you know, just uh, 100,000 in the um, early 70s to nearly 2 million people in prison um, in our country today. It was the basis of policies like we saw in um, Andor, the port, where we sort of escalate crimes, um, especially the war on drugs um, through the 70s and 80s, um, that created more crimes for people to be incarcerated under, reducing opportunities for people to leave prison, like maximum or minimum sentencing, uh, sentencing guidelines, just like we saw in Andor. Um, so it's a really um, kind of realistic, unblinking take on how governments get large populations of people into prison so they can be essentially used for cheap labor. Um, I think it's a really interesting take for a Star Wars show to have. There's there's a lot to unpack from that because yeah. with California with the firefighter issue, uh, it's hard for someone who's an ex-con to get a job. And if they've learned firefighting, that's a valued skill and something that they should be able to get a job for. So there, there's been a movement to help ex-cons get jobs as firemen. So then, and yet, in most places in the country, it's not unlawful to ask people on an employment application if they've been convicted of a felony. Yeah. Um, and so disqualify yeah. them from the job if they have. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Horrible catch 22 for them to be in. It just, it's very frustrating. Yeah. The, uh, thinking back to college, I took a class about uh, the Reconstruction era. And that covered the Gilded Age. So the, the Redeemer governments that came into the South were the ones that pushed the Jim Crow laws that 
were just arresting African-American people left and right. Mm -hmm. And then the version of convict leasing that was uh, reviewed as being worse than slavery uh, because there was no incentive to care for people. They were just leasing prisoners and working people to death. It was just, you know, the name of the one of the books that I read was Worse Than Slavery. And uh, just, again, and that went on for decades mm -hmm. of incarcerating people for trumped up crimes because they were unemployed or go through town and you know, just horrid, horrid things and a horrid system that existed. Uh, what we have today is a byproduct of giving up on rehabilitation and just going to incarceration. And uh, just again, for at least the last 20 or 30 years, like through the 90s, through the initiative process in California, where it was like post-poly class, we were just ramping up everything as a life sentence or uh, pu enhanced punishments for everything. And the fact that uh, like judges now don't want to go for anything that's a lesser sentence <clears throat> out of fear of getting recalled. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, we've created a system in California where there is an incentive for the courts to not appear soft on crime and just throw the book at people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all of this is tied back to education and career opportunities. Uh, it highlights the need for creating a system where people can be successful as opposed to generational poverty that can lead to bad life choices that get people arrested. So yeah. it's a very, the fact Andor is like hitting this hard, brilliantly done. I also like the part where the prisoners were asking uh, Kathy and are people talking about this? Do people know what's going on? And he's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Chilling. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. And that came up in 13th too, is that it's so difficult for people who are incarcerated to get their stories out because the information is obviously very controlled. Um, and it's, it's a very difficult um, people labor under very challenging, uh, dangerous conditions. And it's most people just don't understand what it's like to be in prison. I mean, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Um, something else I was going to put in. Oh, it's an interesting, I suppose, fact to throw in or statistic to throw in to discussions like these is the U.S. incarcerates more people uh, than anyone else in the world by a lot. Yep. Uh, both numerically and I think per capita, we are the uh, the top incarceration country uh, around. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw some statistic, I think it was in 13th. And so it might be even a little outdated now, but the US has only 5% of the world population, but a quarter of the world's prisoners are in the US. Yep. We vastly over incarcerate our population. It's it's like horrible. Yeah. And of course, like African American people represent a very small minority in our country, but account for like 40% of prisoners in our country, vastly overrepresented. Yeah. It's so horrible. Yeah. Uh, 
It's great that and like that Andrew is highlighting this, I think is really powerful. I'm really glad to see it. Yeah, because it's something that people can talk about. Mm -hmm. It's whether it was, you know, the era of uh, family separation and just using the heavy hand of government to inflict terror to make a point uh, to to again a prison industrial complex because they're being used for the imperial war machine. I don't know what those widgets are. There have been theories posted online with like some TikToker said it looks like the bottom half of a probe droid. Another mm. friend thought it was going into uh, the Death Star. The Empire has lots of things in their you know, arsenal. It can be a lot of things. Building for the Death Star makes sense just because of the scale of it. But starships think, are starships are huge. Yeah, and I think at this point in the Star Wars history, the Empire was building up their Starfleet pretty heavily too. So it could be Star Destroyer parts. Yeah, those things. I think they have like a crew of thirty thousand. So that's a lot of people. An aircraft carrier is like six thousand. So that's really big. And with lots of people on it, when you go like, oh, wow, it's five times this, you know, crew complement of an aircraft carrier, you know, like that is a floating city. So, uh, yeah, I almost, I almost find it almost more chilling that we don't know or won't know what they're for. It's so dystopian for people to be laboring at these sort of completely meaningless tasks that are so repetitive. And so it's, it's like Metropolis or something that they're just Mm -hmm. doing these like, uh, these things that they'll never understand what they're for. They're just these really dangerous, really heavy things that are meant to be torturous. It's really, it's incredible. And it could be that some other floor, their whole job is taking those things apart. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And then they just like recycle them through, like, yeah. put them oh, back that, together. That yeah. would be horrible. And uh, it's just a giant shell game to keep them busy. I would think they would be using the labor for something productive yeah. as opposed to just toward, Oh, we need to keep them busy. It's like, they're still building a giant star fleet. Yeah, probably. But remember also the part of the point of the, the, um, whatever weird sentencing order, the poured port. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Part of the port of that was to terrorize people out of joining a rebellion. So sure. But also conveniently, yeah, also conveniently creates a huge workforce when right at the time of the of the empire needing a lot of people to create these huge uh, machines of war. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, ugly, 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 ugly. Uh, but again, uh, I do like the idea that they'll never know. I mean, it could have been plumbing for yeah. all you know, just something uh-huh. weird of mm-hmm. you know, like it was a garage door opener. Yeah, you know, just. It's like something that mundane that was breaking people's wills to live. Yeah. That's so dangerous to assemble, like the way they have to like keep their hands clear from when they're pulling them down and everything. You could just imagine how physically dangerous and also psychologically excruciating um, just that sort of repetitive over and over in the competition layered on top of it. It's because remember, they got no training for it either. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like, all right, and or you sit here for an hour and watch these guys do this and figure it was just. Good luck. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, the, the training video was kind of hands-on. Uh, and then they have the older gentleman who's 
clearly, clearly having a hard time keeping up because he's like grandpa age and just like, what did he do? Yeah. 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 So again, they're just arresting people left and right and instilling living hell across the galaxy. Uh, really highlights the need for a constitution that has negative rights, you know, that prevent the government from doing things to the people right. as opposed or- to you know, defense attorneys at the trial. We can jump back to the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. All good thing. A court that actually cares. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what was well, the probable cause? What happened here? Like, you know, questions judges should be asking with like, why is this in my courtroom? What did this dude do? And then, yeah. And then once convicted in the kangaroo court, obviously there's no appellate rights. There's, it doesn't seem to be a big, prison library at Norkina <laughs> 5 for people to, you know, to challenge or research their convictions and to challenge them in post-conviction proceedings or anything like that. It's yeah. The Imperial Innocence Project. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah th- this isn't Shawshank. No. Like, you know, there, there's like no accounting for the warden taking place here. There's there's no polish and shoes. Uh, uh, the sadistic guards go away and they're self-regulated with Andy Circus back again in live action, which was as himself. And, so great. Yeah, it's as uh, uh, Thomas Harper, who's not here tonight, we, we traded text about Circus. And it's like, all right, so he's Lord of the Rings. He's been in both Marvel and DC. He's, he's Star Wars now twice, King Kong. Like he just needs a Star Trek credit and uh and you know tossing one for Doctor Who and like the bingo card's full. Like he's How he's Andy Circus bo- never been in Star Trek. I know it's weird, but give yeah. it time. I'm mean, like it's. I mean, Disney seems to be taking care of him, and Lord knows how much Lord of the Rings money still comes in. <laughs> Also, Doug Jones is doing such a great job with that sort of character makeup stuff right now in Star Trek. So it's, um, he's got that market cornered, maybe. <laughs> Super nice man, too. So, so sweet. Yeah, so he, but he's with my brother. So and, Oh, uh, nice. Okay. Yeah, they did a web series together called Research. Oh. And uh, I'll send you guys links to it. It's hysterical cool. um, where they have they're doing like a research facility and. Uh, there are a lot of employment issues with doing tests on people. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it is hysterical and Doug's in it and he's very sweet. Um, I'm told he's a hugger. So, um, so again, he just radiates. Nice man. Um, that said, Circus could just, I mean, heck, he could do a voiceover on Prodigy or Lower Decks and Card Full and <laughs> Oft... Off to England to appear in Doctor Who, and I, I did it. I got it all. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that's everything that happens in jail. <laughs> so just a few things. Yeah. Uh, no, we get we see. We could also. Oh, go on. We could also on. talk about the interesting uh, tab that the inmates seem to be running up. Oh, so the. I, his number of 2182 for days in there, I thought that was a random number to pick because that's the frequency on single sideband radios for emergency distress. Hmm. Hmm. On VHF, 
it's uh, one six, but twenty one eighty two is the emergency frequency on single sideband. And I thought that's either really random or someone did that on purpose, or maybe there's a stormtrooper number I don't know about that they decided to do that homage as well. But yeah, twenty one eighty two. That's on single sideband. So. Mm -hmm. So they have that, but are they, is there like a prison store as well where they're being charged for being incarcerated or is there That's something? what I thought that number was supposed to be was this is how much you, you owe. It was like a monetary I thought it was, thing. I thought it was their sentence because it goes down by 30. Oh, uh, oh yeah, no, you're right. That's right about six years. Okay. Okay. So their, their years have the same number of days, so good good uh we we see ferrix and uh with marva I, i've seen women in my family look deathly ill like that and just a hat tip for the acting and directing to show her in end of life stages looking very weak and hurting and that was exceptionally well done. Yeah, Fiona Shaw's a remarkable actress. She's amazing. Just, just a gut punch, because uh, it just you want to go take care of her. Um, which has Bix making a really stupid decision. I this was the only part of the episode where I did the double take of she's smarter than this. Imperials are all over the place, and she sends a message. Couldn't you find some other way to do that? Uh, why did she think? Uh, why did she think that would help? <laughs> like, and the only thing it did was get people arrested. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, my take on that was that maybe she didn't really understand the degree to which they're being surveilled because it um, because we saw Dedra ask for that planetary surveillance package or something mm -hmm. that was sort of they made a big point of that, saying how extreme it was so maybe that wouldn't be something that they would ordinarily expect um because they didn't even if there is an occupation they wouldn't maybe be able to trace or identify that transmission or something ex except for that very sophisticated package yeah i would i would think with imperial troops running around you're just going to lay low yeah you know yeah. I, I mean she told cassian never come back yeah uh, that was this. This falls into the category of tragedy, and just don't say anything. Yeah. Also, anyone who knows Cassian probably should be thinking about quietly leaving in the middle of the night as well. So, uh, just highly dangerous um, for them to do any sort of communicating. And do you know that they know that they're after Cassian at this point. I don't I, know that the Imperials even know that they're after Cassian at this point. That's a good point. Yeah. They're just they stepping up. Well, um, Daedra does. Yeah. But I'm not sure that like everyone else superiors or everyone else would know. Cause she only knows because she got interviewed uh Karn. Yeah. Yeah. And but they're referring to Cassian's high value in order to find um access in the name given to Luthen. So you would 
you would think that uh, that would trickle down for uh, we have an all points bulletin out for Cassie and Andor. Here are his known associates and and go shake them down. Uh, the fact that they haven't gone after his mom, maybe they're just surveilling her, uh, like lying in wait and being patient. But the Empire is not necessarily patient, as seen by the brutal interrogation of Pack, and then what probably will follow is for Bix as well. Which brings us to probable cause. And so the Fourth Amendment of the uh, Constitution requires probable cause for an arrest. There probably is probable cause for her arrest if you put pieces together. Uh, uh, but it might be a stretch <laughs> because uh, it's based upon known contact with Cassian. And if they have, uh, they know that a signal was sent out from that yard. And if they had any surveillance footage of her going into the yard uh, from her whereabouts, that might be enough for probable cause. What say you, Mr. Public Defender? If they had the surveillance footage, maybe. Um... But acquaintance isn't enough for probable cause. You can't arrest people because you know, you know, mm -hmm. they know other people. Now they could go to her and say, "Hey, we want to talk to you about this," and you know, she can talk to them or say, "Blow if whatever she wants." But they could ask her. Um, they can't arrest her. There's no voice component to the transmission that I can see. There's no, you know, identifying markers of who sent it, and. So unless they have something that ties her with the uh, communicator, then I don't think they have enough to actually arrest her. I wonder Pack, if... maybe, because if they can locate the um, the sending device. device. Yeah. And his... like, like a Morse code key. Yeah. If they can locate that in his shop, then that ties him in and presumably you know having that transmitter is enough to generate probable cause i assume it's illegal um so they could arrest him and question him and now if he says no no it wasn't me it was her it was bix then that's one way they could have done it yeah i sort of assumed that he broke under the torture and, and gave them her name um but then he's, it looks like he's kind of currently being tortured while she, they're bringing her in. So it's yeah. unclear. It was hard to figure worked. out the timing of that. Yeah. Yeah. That, and we know that the Empire will torture for the sake of torture. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to quote Han Solo, they didn't even ask me any questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thinking back to Rebels, the number of uh, pilots captured. Uh, that would have known the location of Yavin 4 and the fact that's never discovered speaks volumes on Imperial intelligence gathering. Like with the entire crew of the Tent of Four, captured. They had to know where Yavin was. They'd been there. So anyway, they, they might just be torture for, for the fun of it. It's almost like torture um, is a notoriously unreliable way to generate information. <laughs> Sorry, Dan Tuin. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Um, yeah, there, there's... I'm not sure what happened, but uh, Yavin 4 is not located. <laughs> so, uh, and if they just 
torture the hell out of Pax. Like, he does he not know about Luthen? Does he just have the device stored there? He might not. Because yeah. um, Luthen in the earlier episodes makes a big deal out of secrecy and Bix doesn't even know who he is. Yeah. She talks about how she just, you know, contacts him sometimes. Yeah, so she might not know his name. But she has seen him. She could identify him. Um, Maybe. Yeah. She's seen him without his wig. And again, that that weave is magical. So it is. <laughs> it's yeah. incredible. So uh, yeah, it's very well done. Um, I mean, it makes you think that is his natural hair. So <laughs> hell, it could be. So like. The wig is the lie. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, there's there's problems with probable cause. Um, it might be valid. It might not. Uh, torturing the hell out of pack is just not constitutional. We there there's no Miranda rights. There is no offer of counsel. They just go to town on him. And yet, Dedra, not a hair out of place. She's so scary. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, she's terrifying. It's and her uh her leaving him in the room long enough for Bix to see him is just another little psychological uh gosh, yeah. smack to Bix. Yeah, she, she's they're they're playing her as like the perfect Nazi type type role. And what's funny is the interview that I listened to her with, you know, on several podcasts, that actress is hysterical. So the, all the other actors like had this like grandiose, like awe of being in this and the two people playing the bad guys were the most fun loving out of all of them. It's like, I want to go have tacos with them. We could barbecue. It's, they just, so again, super appreciative of the fact that they're in star wars and having a rip-roaring great time and playing a terrifying character yeah villains have more fun for sure oh she's just i'm gonna lean in on looking terrifying and making mm-hmm. people wish mm-hmm. they were able to like run away um i mean just her eyes it's just pretty intense on the flip side when she's questioning karn she isn't just like browbeating him. She realizes you didn't read this and lets him see the report and get information. And she does threaten him because he's trying to get back into, you know, not be in the Bureau of Standards during fuel purity, which does sound like living hell. Uh, But he is misusing the government system for doing his false inquiries. So that's computer fraud type issues right there. So anyway, a lot to one back. Uh, oh, I guess. Oh, go on. Sorry, to bounce back, I suppose it's worth mentioning that if the probable cause for Bix's arrest um, came from torturing Pack, then they still can't use that. You can't get, you can't use illegally obtained evidence to get to better evidence. Fruit of the poisonous tree. Yep. So. Unless they could, yeah, they were going to discover it anyway. So, but that doesn't, that creates an incentive for beating the crap out of people. Um, 
yeah, I just, mm. we don't do that in our system. So we don't do that here. Uh, you gentlemen identify anything else that we should cover? No, this was the this was the episode where we finally saw Saw, right? Or was that the previous one? Oh no, that was this one. That yeah, was this we one. Saw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we saw that they were um, obviously trying to launch a conspiracy to um, attack that base, um, but Saw wasn't biting. It's such an interesting character, and it's so great to see um, uh, that actor back. Why am I blanking on his name? Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Um, he- yeah. Um, and he's more human. So, because yeah. this is about the time he, well, close to the time that he would be appearing in Rebels. Because when he appears right. in Rebels, he's all in one piece still. So something goes wrong where he gets gravely injured, injured, or maybe multiple times gets injured. I don't know, <laughs> but... Uh, he does get chewed up at some point, uh, but the 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 cat and mouse game where they're trying to did you do this? No, I didn't do this. Um, and trying to get Saw to work with another group. Saw is like a purist, and that's very. Uh, I mean, Luthen's right about petty differences. It's like you don't want to work with this guy because he was a separatist. Well, that war is long in the past. You know, you got to focus on the current threat. And if everyone stays in their corners from old grudges, you're not going to defeat the current bad guy. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, too, because it seemed like um, the rhetoric that um, Luthen was saying and sort of opposing that to Mon Mothma, it made it seem like Luthen was going to be a really close ally with Saw. And we saw in this episode that, in fact, they don't really seem to get along that well. Um, and they're maybe not as closely aligned as we might have thought previously. Yeah. I don't think anybody in the Rebellion is terribly closely aligned at this point. Yeah. Yeah. While he has a network, people are still in it for their their beliefs that they can identify empire bad but they're fractured with i still don't like this guy because what he did during the clone wars and i it's like really you're going to sacrifice the future for that okay and uh it's it's all the challenges in having an alliance you know like i read a biography on Eisenhower and the tightrope walk that he had to do with you know the English and the French and trying to keep de Gaulle appeased so he doesn't throw tantrums you know it's just it's like you don't have an army dude (laughs) (laughs) but we need France so I'm gonna put up with you uh yeah so there's Luthen's trying to navigate that and bring people together so I do think he's closer to Mothma than he is Saw, but it's still a still a big split. So. Anything else for the good of the order? Okay, good episode. This arc is very different. So I'm, you know, there'll probably be a prison break of some kind, judging by the sign language that we were seeing. Yeah. Uh, so Lord knows what will happen with that, but. Uh, 
stay tuned. So this next, next week should be a good time. So with that, everyone, thanks for tuning in to our patron Astro Kangaroo. Thank you. And until next time, everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay geeky.